I'm your girl, Latoya Francis, and you're listening to the On My Soapbox podcast. Hey guys, welcome back to another edition of the On My Soapbox podcast, the place where I come to be unfiltered and unadulterated on matters that might not be popular or might even bring some opposition. But this is my soapbox and these are the things that I am passionate about. This week, I'm on my soapbox bringing to you my thoughts on self-preservation. And again, on this, on this episode, I am not alone. I'm joined on this episode by my dear friend and sister in Christ, the one and only Amy Mobley. So yeah, I've known Amy for a very long time. Um, she's been like a little sister to me, but at the same time, like I would say a little big sister. Um, I have been able to witness her growth in her relationship with God. And just, yeah, recently I was just telling her about what I wanted to talk about on my next podcast, as well as a blog that I was working on. So yeah, we're here. So Amy, talk to the people, Em. Say hello. Sup. Sup. Thanks, Latoya, for having me. Yeah, when Latoya started talking about self-preservation to me, about her podcast, it got me really excited because I think it's a very broad topic and a topic that is relevant to all of our lives and plays a vital role. Like the way that we view self-preservation, I think plays a vital role, especially for believers. So I'm excited to unpack this. Cool, cool. So when you say, I mean, you've talked about, you know, your excitement around the, talking about self-preservation, but if you had to say or give a definition of what you think that is, or even the first things that come to mind when you think about self-preservation, what are those things that come to mind? Yeah, so like I said, I do believe more than ever that, you know, especially if you're a believer in Jesus, your views on self-preservation can be the life or death of your faith journey. And I say that one, because I think that I've experienced that in my own faith journey in ways that I've tried to preserve myself and ended up losing myself mm -hmm. in the process of doing that. But secondly, I also think that there is a defining line that separates how we as Christians approach this topic mm -hmm. um, and how the world approaches it. I think in the world right now, it's a big, big trend to put yourself first, to mm -hmm. love yourself first. That's just a massive thing. Like if you're on Instagram, you're seeing all these, you know, graphics about like putting yourself first and loving yourself and self-care is like this massive trend now. And it's not to say that those are bad things, but I think as Christians, we have to be careful, you know, how we let that infiltrate our lives. So true. So true. Yeah. Those hashtags me first or yeah. putting myself first, and especially I think coming up to a new year. Mm. where everybody's gonna have these resolutions mm -hmm. of yeah if you weren't with me in 2020 yeah. don't think you're gonna beat me in 2021 <laughs> on to bigger and better things it's definitely yeah. at least for me in the season when i think about self-preservation it definitely is a hot topic where i feel like you have to as a believer you have to know where you land on this topic because like you said there is a dividing factor of what the world sees it as and what jesus says it should look right, like right right yeah, for sure. I do think in my own life, I've seen ways where not seeing the defining line, not seeing the difference of what Jesus says about it and what the world says about it, because it's very easy to slip into. Yes. And it's not necessarily a bad thing, because how can you see caring about yourself as a bad thing? True. Putting yourself first. That is a very appealing, you know, that's a very appealing thing mm -hmm. for someone to tell you to do. And it's very easy because we do it automatically. We yeah. want to put ourselves first. We're selfish. First. Exactly. 
So it's definitely very important and I've definitely slipped into that and I think all of us do at some point. So yeah, is there, you know, we can talk on and on about, you know, what we think self-preservation is and what it means to us personally. Mm -hmm. But is there a working definition that, you know, we want to have for the people so that they know what we're really talking about? Yeah, I think where we're at with that working definition is when thinking about self-preservation, we're we're looking a bit more so on the preservation side of what that actually is. And the definition that we're working with is preservation of oneself from destruction or harm, a natural or instinctive tendency to act as so to preserve one's own existence, right? But even with this working definition, one can say just from face value, there's a lot of things that is very contradictory to what the Christian life is about. Right, for sure. Right? So maybe we want to look at some verses that we feel like speak to this idea of self-preservation and how that stands either in contradiction or um, just as a separate way of thinking about that idea. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, even if you look at the definition, it uses the word natural mm. and the words instinctive. Yes. And so, you know, you can all, you know, I can already hear, you know, the scientists and, yeah. the, you know, the people on kind of like the big bang the side of things evolution. saying that this is just the way that we are. are. This is the yes. way that we were made. You need to just accept that about yourself that, you know, to preserve your own existence, that's a part of the way that life is. You know, it's this idea of survival of the fittest, is, right? Yeah. So to survive, you need to make it. You need to do whatever it takes. And, you know, if you got to cut corners, then it is what it is. Cor- yeah, right. So definitely, you know, there are some contradicting things that definitely contradicts with scripture. So, mm. yeah, let's look into that. So the first scripture that we found when looking at this topic was Philippians 2, verse 3 to 4. And it says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility, consider others better than yourselves. Each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. Right. That's hard even for me to read. Yeah. Because there are times, because I think for me personally, in a lot of ways, for whatever reason, I do consider others better than myself. And that can often also be very detrimental because, you know, if you're doing that, not knowing that your identity is found in Christ and not knowing your value and your worth, if you're not considering others better than yourself from that place, then you're going to end up losing your self-worth and thinking others are better than you. Uh, So there's definitely like, uh, it definitely, you know, it's a touchy topic because Mm -hmm. there's a lot of ways you can go with it. But scripture is clear. It's clear. Consider yourself. It says in humility, consider others better than yourselves. And like even when I think about self-preservation a lot of times, it's like this idea of when I am not, when I'm in a situation where I am uncomfortable or I feel like I deserve better or I feel like I don't want to, I don't want to be in pain or I don't want to suffer in order to. I have found myself saying this a lot, especially in this season, this idea of, you know what, for my own mental state, for Mm. my own peace of Mm -hmm. mind. But then again, it's like, okay, it's it's like finding that balancing act, you know? Yeah, for sure. What's the next verse? So the next verse is Matthew 20, verse 28. And it says, for even the son of man 
which is Jesus, mm -hmm. came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. And even hearing that, that's hard. Because the average Joe going to say, bro, I'm not Jesus. Yeah, exactly. Toby Inigwe, I just butchered his last name. But super dope guy, super talented. He just released a song, says, listen, try Jesus, don't try me. Mm. You know, and again, from a believer standpoint, when you're living in a way that you want to be surrendered to God, is that biblical? Yeah. Because here we're seeing, it says, yo, son of man didn't come to be served. King of kings came not to, mm. not to be served, but to serve mm. others and to give his life as a ransom for many. So who am I, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And I think for sure what you're saying, like if we realize the magnitude of what this means, like, you know, in this side of the world, in this Western hemisphere, you know, we grew up with this idea that, yeah, Jesus is God and Jesus came and we celebrate Christmas and yeah, yeah, yeah. I was Mary in the nativity scene at church and, yeah. you know, all this different stuff. And so we are constantly like, we're almost desensitized yes. to the fact that Jesus is God. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. God was in heaven, in perfect peace, yes. in authority, in control. In, you know what I mean? Like, and he interrupted all of that to come down for what? Not to be served as he deserves. And oftentimes that's what we say, right? Yeah. Shh, I deserve better. Exactly. You said what to me? I deserve, deserve better. better. Don't speak to me like that. You know yeah. what I mean? And ooh, when people really do, you know, we really believe we deserve better. Yes. <laughs> when people speak a certain way, how do you not respond? Yeah. You know, so. Yeah, man. Another verse that we found on this topic as well we wanted to talk about was Matthew 16, 24 to 25. And this one says, and we actually have a commentary to go along with this one that we thought was super like interesting, but also just shares a lot of what we believe Christ stances on this idea of self-preservation. Matthew 16, 24, 25 says, then Jesus told his disciples, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it. So, paraphrase, whoever will try to preserve his life, self-preserve, will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. And the commentary that we found, uh, I think it's like the forerunner, it was called the forerunner commentary. And it says, everybody has a natural inclination to avoid suffering and pain. And this is not necessarily wrong. There is a drive within all of us to preserve our lives and to extend them. There's a drive within us to preserve our lives and to extend our lives. Self-preservation, it is said, is the first law of the universe. And so we desire to ensure that we do all that we can so that we do not suffer any pain. On the other hand, in this verse in Matthew 16, 24 to 25, it seems that Jesus is counseling us that somehow this drive for self-preservation, for self-satisfaction, for comfort has to be pushed from the forefront of our lives and into a secondary place. Man, and that's so true. Yeah. It's so true. You know, even, you know, we're talking about pain, the fact that we all want to avoid pain and suffering, which means, first of all, it means we all experience it. Yes. We all 
live in a fallen world we are not exempt from pain and suffering even if you're a christian there might be some people that believe like oh well if you're a christian and you're on god's side then you might think oh no god's got me i i don't have any problems i don't have any trauma nothing happened to me i'm good i got god i'm good i'm good and just avoid it and that's their way of avoiding their suffering and pain but the fact is whether you're a christian or not especially if you're a christian really yeah because you know the Bible is clear on what the Christian life looks like mm-hmm. and it is riddled, just yeah. completely riddled with pain and suffering. Look yeah. at all of the disciples and the apostles and the pain and suffering that they went through. So, yeah, I mean, there's just no way around it. And, you know, you think about all of the pain and suffering we fight to avoid. You know, that brings me to addictions. Yes. And, you know, this even in some way ties into the world's definition of loving yourself because you know a lot of the loving yourself and self-care that i've seen that comes from the world is very centered around like going to therapy and making therapy a normal like event and you know i guess not making therapy this stigmatized that thing that it has been right exactly and so you know there's definitely a place for that in the christian walk but man i think it's so important for all of us Mm-hmm. all of us to be thinking about what causes us pain and suffering yeah. and what are we doing to avoid it yes and why yes because ultimately i feel like even this topic of like self-preservation why i guess in this season especially in christmas where you're supposed to be giving gifts right mm. you're supposed to be coming up out of your pocket or just even if you don't have resources like that you're supposed to be celebrating the gift that god gave us which was his son you know and again going back to what you said the ultimate sacrifice mm. that of knowing that a parent i just think of myself in the natural like me giving birth knowing that i go through all of the like go through all the birth pains just to bring forth a child that i'm gonna have to one day sacrifice mm. you know and just in the season like of where we're celebrating the birth of christ but ultimately his birth is one thing but for me and one of the revelations i feel like i've gotten over that is like his birth was the beginning but what really sealed the deal was the fact that when it came to it, he laid down his life for me. Mm, yeah. And I've just been in a season of like, whether that be with, you know, family relationships or friendships where even working relationships and just this idea of, yo, feeling I need to preserve myself. I need mm. to make sure that I maintain my mental health, that I maintain who I am, that, or that, that I don't lose myself mm. in relationships that that I feel in the season in my flesh that, you know, might be coming to an end Mm. and just coming to the realization like a few weeks ago that if I am to live a surrendered life to God, I don't get to say what, like you said, I don't get to determine what pain I don't go through. Right. Because if I'm surrendered, then that means that I have a, someone else should have the rights over my wills or or, not my wills, but but my will Mm -hmm. singular. Right. Um, and so for me, it's just like coming to this, this realization of, well, thinking, you know, and at the time it didn't seem like it was the easiest thing because it was making decisions that were hard and that were hurtful and like, you know, changing mindsets and stuff like that. But it's coming to this realization that actually maybe me wanting to say, you know what, I've had enough of that or I have enough of this. Maybe that is me wanting to escape pain and suffering mm. when God has called me to that. So it's like, okay, well, how do you even know that God has called you to that? Like, or somebody might say, well, Latoya, what do you want me to do? You want me to stay in a situation where someone is hurting me or whatever? And 
just to stay there. So I do believe that, that there's a balance. But for me, and Amy, I'd love to hear what you think about this as well. For me, like how I find that balance is through my relationship with Christ. Because I don't believe that God is going to will, like, willingly allow me to be in a situation that's not going to give him glory. Hmm. And I have to see that whatever suffering that I have to do based on when he says, take up your cross and follow me. In Matthew chapter 16, verse 24, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For me personally, I feel like sometimes that's literal. That means literally saying that, you know what? Yes, there is another avenue. There is another way out. But for right now, until God tells me differently, I'm going to take up this cross Mm. and I'm going to follow him. Maybe down the road, he may say, yo, lay it down. Right. Lay this down. Move this way. Right. But I dare not do that in my own strength. I dare not do that on my own accord. It must be because through my relationship with him, he's revealed that to me. And so for me, that's where the balance comes. The balance comes with me fully trusting that God is who he says he is. And if he's who he says he is, he's a good father. He's Mm. not going to willingly let me hurt because he's a sadist. that Mm. He enjoys my pain. That's not who he is. Yeah. You know? So for me, the balance is found in my relationship with him and knowing his character, knowing, knowing what he's about and just being fully able to say, you know what, God, I'm going to trust you and I'm going to take up this cross and follow you and keep following you until you tell me to do something else. Mm. Yeah. You know, when you're talking, it reminds me a lot of, I was at Generation 412 the other day. Okay. Shout out to G412. <laughs> so I was at, G- if you guys know what G412 is, it's a young adult group for Christians who maybe just need community. We gather once a month um, and we just hang out, we eat, we worship, we pray, etc. So I was at G412 the other night and it's the last G412 before the new year. And so naturally we sit down and, you know, they ask us, what, what have you learned in 2020 and what are you leaving behind in 2020? And they kind of ask that you, you know, sum it up in like a phrase. And for me, my phrase was dying to self. And so because this year for me, like I relate so much to what you're talking to. I don't think that, I think that growing up as a Christian, growing up in the church, you're not always exposed to the fact that it comes with suffering Mm -hmm. and that you are accepting a life of suffering. You know, I have a tattoo of a cross and it wasn't until this, like a month ago that I sat down, I was going through suffering Mm -hmm. and I was thinking, man, the cross, you know, it seems like such a nice symbol, but man, I looked at it and I was like, that is an instrument of death that I just put on my body. Mm -hmm. And people don't see it that way. People just kind of, like I said, it's so desensitized. And I was just looking at it and I was like, dang, that's a symbol of death. And it really, really hit home for me because like you said, I feel like in this season, God has really shown me that I need to take up my cross, that now is my time to take up my cross um, and follow him. And that the more that I try to avoid the pain and suffering that comes with submitting to him, the more pain and suffering I'm going to cause on myself. And it's going to last a whole lot Mm. longer because when I deny Christ to accept myself and put myself first Mm -hmm. and put my desires first, suffering lasts a whole lot longer and eternity longer. It really does. If you go to the extreme, an eternity longer. If I choose God, then suffering lasts for a night, but joy comes in In the the morning, morning, right? So I definitely relate to what you're saying. And I think that, and I also think it's like a call to obedience, right? Yeah. yeah. Oh, absolutely. Because I feel like if we, just like you said, if you're obedient and do what you're asked, like what is asked of you, 
the journey that you're going on or the time frame that you're working with, you know, is a, is a lot shorter. But if you decide that, you know what, forget that I'm going to live my life and do me. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, without being insensitive, even what we've seen in the media hearing came on where someone was in prison for four months. Right. Where if you stayed home for two weeks. Right, exactly. You know, it's just this idea of not trying to fast forward it. Not like you said, not, t- not trying to cheat the system, but just being obedient and just trusting God. Yeah, and I think that trusting God, you know, I think a part of beating the system in a human's life, it's all of these toxic traits that we acquire during our lives. Say some more about that. So, you know, this is a bit extreme, but addictions, that is a kind of a cop-out of, you know, trying to get out of what you're feeling in the moment. I don't want to feel pain and suffering. I am just going to drown it out right now. And, you know, sometimes for all of us, it's not that extreme. Sometimes Mm -hmm. it's, we go to certain people to drown out whatever we're feeling and those might look like healthy relationships or feel good or whatever it is but the fact is that if you are going to anything else except god God. it's not it's a cop out it's a cop out yeah Yeah. and like you said it's gonna build a cycle that you find yourself digging a deeper hole Mm -hmm. a digger a deeper ditch Mm -hmm. but even like we were talking about like you know, where self-preservation can be in opposition to God's will. Mm. Like an example that we talked about too in preparation for this was this idea of Esther. Mm. How like, you know, here we have the Jews in hot water Mm. and Esther is in the palace. Mm. You understand? Like Mordecai, her uncle says, yo, listen, this man out here trying to murder us. What are you about to do? Mm. And she was just like, I'm not going to the king, you crazy? Yeah. Like, he about to kill me. I'm not seeing this man in days. And you want me to go up in his face? Like, I'm not about that life. Yeah. And in doing that, she was trying to preserve herself. Right. Yeah, absolutely. But then we see that when she actually was obedient to the request of her uncle and go through that process of, okay, actually, you know what? Tell Mordecai, fast for three days. I'm going to be fasting and I'm going to go. And if I perish, I perish. Mm. So you see when the idea of self-preservation died what she was able to do for her people right yeah right but even at the risk even at the risk of like i said yo king xerxes could have been like yo you i don't call for you where you come from like yeah exactly but i think the difference was is that it was an act of obedience and i also to think that that story to me shows the benefits and even like a beauty behind when we decide to follow christ and deny ourselves Mm, yeah you know yeah Um, and there's no like one of the greatest things about obeying god is that there is no losing exactly there's like literally no losing because in this example with esther she goes to the king she's at high risk for being banished killed you know everything in this example she's not Mm -hmm. you know the king honors her wishes and an entire nation is saved Saved. right yeah So, so she wasn't killed but that doesn't mean that you know if you obey God, everything's going to be, you know, pippy dandy, yahoo, yeah. you know, you know, you look through scripture and I mean, you don't even have to look through scripture, but if you do, you'll yeah. find that most people who followed Jesus were killed yeah. and not Martyr. just like, you know, euthanized or whatever. No. They were like dragged by horses or had yeah. their heads chopped off or yeah. were stoned to death. You Brutally know what I mean? killed. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, I was watching and I was telling Latoya this earlier, I was watching a documentary about missionaries and, you know, one of the missionaries that was being or she wasn't a missionary she was a christian Mm -hmm. she was a muslim background believer and so she was a muslim she converted to christianity and they interviewed her and they asked her 
you know, how do you love your enemies? How do you put yourself in this position? Mm. Like, and you're obedient to God. God told you, talk to these people or love these people, love your enemies. Mm-hmm. How do you do that when they're raping you? Yeah. And she said, I gave up my family. I gave up, you know, everything that's comfortable for me. I gave up my own nationality, feeling comfortable in my own home because she's not accepted anymore. Yeah. She doesn't have a family anymore. You know, maybe she doesn't even have a job anymore. Mm-hmm. And she said, when they're raping me, I will pray and tell God, now I offer up my body as a sacrifice. And it's just... Yo. Yeah. None of us are ready to submit to God like that. (laughs) None of us are... Like most of us aren't even ready to hear stories like that because it's just... It's insane. But the thing is to her... Yeah. They said that she said that with joy. Yes. Like, man, look what Jesus has done for me. I will willingly do it. And she doesn't lose because if she were to die, Mm -hmm. she would go be with Jesus, the one who she is living for. And so there's no losing in this life. See, and as I hear that, I know that there are going to be people that listen to this that might not believe as we believe in this moment right now. And they might even see that as foolishness. Like, wait, what? Absolutely. Yeah. What type of nonsense you talking about? But yo, that's what the life of the believer is. Yeah. And I do agree with you. I think we said this at the start of, the, of this episode, this idea of in the West, we have become so desensitized to the idea of even like persecution mm. for Christ's sake, that hearing something like that just seems so far fetched. Right. Some people might even dare say that even that frame of thought is sick. Right. Like how is somebody going to be raping you and you offering up your body to Christ? Yeah. But I do think that in order, I can just imagine the depth of her relationship with God for her to be able to say that with such joy. Right. And I, and I do believe that that is where us, us as all believers need to get to. Yeah. Where I do not think of myself as worthy of or better than the suffering that Christ endured. Right. Because just like you said, the cross itself, that, is that some of us wear so proudly around our neck, mm-hmm. it is a symbol of death. Yeah, absolutely. So when you're wearing your cross, look down yeah like what is it saying yeah you know why are you wearing it are you wearing it for a fashion symbol because really and truly if jihad come up in the smug right now and they see that cross on your neck your head gone no you're absolutely right i mean like absolutely you're right we definitely take it for granted yeah and you know people who don't think twice about christ or think twice about what he went through like you said they wear the cross proudly um yeah but i think a spin-off i guess for me now that I, I want us to, t- like, I don't know. In this moment, like I said, this is my soapbox. Amy's on a soapbox with me today. And my spin, after saying all this that I've said, I think for me, I want to think of self-preservation and even taking it as when you think about preserving food, think about salt. Mm. And the Bible says that we are the salt of the earth. So for me, preserving myself or using myself as a preserving agent means that in any situation that I am in, I'm able to add seasoning. Mm. I'm able to add a flavor that is unlike anything that the world can offer. Mm. Right? Like when you go to a restaurant and the food is dry and, and it's bland and I got no taste, you add in salt to that bad boy yeah. to pep it up. And I feel like as a believer, when I think of self-preservation, that's where I want to move to. Not necessarily defending or retreating to a place of just my own comfort, 
but retreating or going to a place where I know that God can use me mm. to add his flavor to mm. any situation that I'm in, yeah. even if that means I'm suffering. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. That's so good. And I think that, you know, going along with this idea of salt we are called to be the salt in the earth. Yeah. Um, it just makes me think, you know, salt is used to preserve things. Like literally, if you have yes. meat, they put salt in the meat to preserve it yes. so that it doesn't spoil. Yeah. And it really, to me, it's an image of, you know, the more people like you, like you're saying, this is what I want to do. I mm-hmm. want to be the salt of the earth. Mm-hmm. It makes me wonder if we are preserving the earth the more of us that is flavoring the earth, the more of us that is being salt, that is being nutrient to this world, are we preserving the earth? And I think about the story of Abraham with Sodom and Gomorrah and Abraham pleaded, he pleaded with God, if you find just one person and it takes that one piece of salt to to plead with God to preserve, right? So it makes me wonder, man, what would the world be like mm-hmm. if there was more of us preserving the earth? Fox. And like even preserving, right? Let's let's even go a bit as we get ready to like, you know, wrap it up. But let's go a bit a little bit even deeper, because when you think about preserving the earth, practically, what does that look like? Mm. So for me, where I'm at in my life right now, I believe that that means that as Christians, we need to aspire to be the gatekeepers. Mm. Because I think a lot of times as Christians or even in the conversations that I hear in the church, people, it's almost like we don't have faith enough to believe that God can use us in big ways. Mm. Yes, he uses us in small ways and we should take glory and take pride in that. But the idea that if I'm going to help to preserve the earth, I need to be in a position where I have a say in what happens in the earth. Right, right. So even thinking about the political arena, mm. Thinking about the arts and the media, right. you know, thinking about education, right. like thinking about different social, social justice related areas as well. Like if I am to preserve the earth, if I am to have a flavor in the earth, I need to have a position to do that, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. And like I said, that doesn't minimize that. Yes, sometimes God calls us to do the small things, you know, the, 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 the sweeping of the bathrooms, the cleaning. Right. Or, you know, sometimes he sends some of us to these like villages where no one else wants to go right. where. You know, we're far away from technology and we have to give ourselves to that. But I also believe that as much as that is also being um, a way of preserving the earth, I do think, too, you being in parliament, you being a judge, you being a teacher, police officer, whatever Mm -hmm. it is that God has called you to do, you being those things is also a way of preserving the earth. Absolutely. And being obedient in it. And for those of you who are in those occupations or in an occupation that maybe we didn't even mention. Mention, Yeah believe that god has you there and that he can use you there that you don't have to be a missionary in zambia or you know the amazon to make a difference that that salt can be absorbed anywhere and for it to be um i guess for it to not dilute there has to be many and it has to be everywhere and so whatever sphere of influence that you are in Mm -hmm. you can make a difference in for the kingdom of god yeah and even as we close like just a I guess a way to just say that, you know, we're not naive to the fact that even as we sit here and we talk about this, this doesn't mean that me and Amy has it figured out. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, Like we said at the beginning, we had a working definition, working document, anything working means that it's not finalized. We're still trying to come to the place where, you know, we get a total full revelation on it. Yeah. So even as we leave, we know that some of you might not know what that looks like, right. but we do believe that this topic of self-preservation is one that regardless if you know that if you're supposed to be in politics or a teacher or working at kfc or whatever it is that you're doing 
we do believe that this topic or this concept of self-preservation is so pervasive in all of our lives that is something that we can all come around so amy what do you want to leave the people with yeah so i mean i guess as we close we want to challenge you guys what are some ways that you find yourself trying to self-preserve but from a place of selfish ambition. There are some of us that are, that are naturally inclined to be a little more selfish. Mm-hmm. And so for those of you, what ways are you trying to self-preserve from a selfish place? Because as we talked about, there's a place where you can self-preserve out of health and just mm-hmm. being well. And then there's a place that you can preserve yourself um, from a place of selfishness and me first and I deserve better and whatnot. And so, you know, be honest with yourself. Ask yourself that question. And then, you know, there are also some of us that, that we have a habit to put others before us and put yes. ourselves at the bottom all the time. And that's not healthy either. Mm-hmm. And God doesn't want that for you either. Yeah. Um, there's definitely a balance. And so if you, are, if you are more inclined to do that, what ways are you self-preserving that mm-hmm. is detrimental to your health? Because God also sees value in you. He created you with a purpose and you have worth. And so, you know, never think that someone else is worth more than you are. So those are just some questions that that we want to leave you guys with and challenge you guys with. Yeah. Yeah, man. And if you want to reach out to us, you can email us at francis.dreamer with an E-R at gmail.com. So that's F-R-A-N-C-I-S-D-R-E-A-M-E-R at gmail.com with your thoughts and comments or you can reach out to both amy and myself and amy is on instagram at amy mobley which is a-m-y-m-o-b-l-e-y underscore and i am at francis d-a dreama d-r-e-a-m-a and this information is going to be in the description so you have to worry about like pausing and writing down it's just look below it's below all right guys so as you go forth this week or whenever you listen to this podcast we just pray that your interpretation of what self-preservation is is not informed from a selfish point of view but from one where not only god is being honored but you are looking to honor others as well as you honor yourself all right that's it later bye thank you for listening to the on my soapbox podcast I'm your girl, LaToya Francis. Until next time, stand for something or fall for anything.